Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world, with your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we're visiting with Emily from RecipesToNourish.com. Emily, thanks so much for being here. It's so nice to have you. We've been connected online for a long time, and uh, I just love your website. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. I absolutely love what you guys are doing with your family. You know, your pictures are just gorgeous. You've got so many amazing recipes. And I feel like I kind of been there as your daughters have started growing up and yes. because we're online. Yes. <laughs> all the pictures and you kind of have an interesting path that has brought you to real food and holistic living. Yes. So before my first daughter was born, I was a vegetarian and a vegan for pretty much most of my life. Um, over, mm-hmm. I'd say over 17 years at that point. I thought I was totally healthy and doing great, mm-hmm. but with my pregnancy, lots of things kind of changed. And I I had a little bit of a difficult pregnancy. Um, and during that time, I realized that I just needed to do something different. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like um, the OB that I was seeing was really hearing what I needed or actually taking time to be with me. And so that's kind of where everything changed for me. And I decided mm-hmm. to have a home birth. And Oh, nice. Yeah, um, so I met my midwives, and that's kind of where everything started changing. I decided I needed to change everything in my life and um, get all the... An easy task, right? (laughs) Yes, totally easy. (laughs) But it it took, it was baby steps, and I did Mm -hmm. things like get the chemicals out of my home and uh, no more pesticides in my garden and just little Mm -hmm. things that I could change over time. And my diet really didn't change too much during my pregnancy. I still continued to be um, a vegetarian, which then led into being a vegan. And after she was born, I just, my health was a mess. Mm -hmm. And I was so sick and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, And I'm pretty sure it was all of those years of, you know, depending on, certain things like soy or nuts Mm -hmm. and grains and they just kind of took a toll on my body so Mm -hmm. everything shifted and I realized I needed to do something to start healing healing yeah because you had this little one here like depending on you yes like why am I feeling so awful right I felt awful I was drained to just I I just really couldn't function very well Mm. it actually was my daughter's holistic pediatrician and he said look you need to change your diet like today we talked a little bit about it and about traditional foods and real foods and how to get all of the packaged product type stuff out of my diet and Mm -hmm. I left his office and went straight and caught (laughs) my first pasture organic chicken and went home and learned how to make it and from there it's just been this beautiful healing journey. How did you feel like um, after doing like the the chicken or whatever, like how did that 
change for you? Was I it felt pretty quick? So much better, yeah, almost yeah. immediately. Um, yeah. I noticed huge differences with my skin and um, my stomach. I didn't have an upset stomach all the time anymore. Okay. So yeah, there was pretty immediate changes for me that I noticed. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And my daughter too, because um, mm-hmm. her health was kind of suffering as well. You were breastfeeding, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's amazing because it's like a lot of times people think, oh, I'm totally eating healthy and, you know, they're buying the the healthier packaged items and, you know, they think, oh, I'm cutting all these things out. And I mean, you know, like Matt and I, we went, um, we actually went raw vegan for a time at the beginning of our journey because that was the information that was like out there. I'd gotten some food allergy results back and um, I was like, okay, so I have to cut out gluten and I have to cut out dairy and I have to cut out, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. I was even allergic to turmeric. Now I know it was leaky gut, right? (laughs) But turmeric and I'm like, okay, this is just so bizarre. And so when you started, this was like seven, eight years ago, when you started looking at, you know, okay, food and nutrition and healing foods, a lot of the information out there was like vegan based. And so we thought, oh, let's do this. And and we actually kind of changed overnight um, because I was, you know, super sick. I was willing to try anything. And it actually kind of made things a lot worse. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah, it does because I wasn't getting all the nutrition I needed. Um, And it was. On one hand, I think part of it was a little bit of a detox, you know, and that was good. That was a good thing. But on the other hand, like a lot of the raw vegan foods were very smoothie based and like had agave nectar and like all these other things. And I didn't know any better, you know. So it was actually through that, though, that I learned about traditional ancestral foods, real food, um, because in the in the raw vegan community, we're talking about soaking your seeds and your nuts. And I was like, what in the heck are they talking Uh, about? Why would you soak seeds and nuts? Right. And so they kept talking about nourishing traditions. And I got the cookbook. And I had no idea that that was going to, like, totally change everything. But those first, like, 60, 70 pages that are all about, you know, nutrition, it's not the recipes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I was like, this is true. Like, so eye-opening. And I actually told Matt, I said, this is, like, truth to my bones truth like I just know this is gonna help so we changed our diet again like yeah we started doing the bone broth and you know all the pastured butter and grass-fed meats and oh my goodness like two months within two months like half my symptoms had disappeared and within six months it's like it had never happened it was crazy yeah and I had four pages typed pages of symptoms I took around to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. So it is amazing how quickly things can turn around, isn't it? It really is. Our bodies are just amazing, and they just need that, like, material to, you know, make the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And getting the toxins out was huge. I know your body actually isn't being assaulted on every level. Because isn't it amazing? Like, when you got rid of the toxins, it's, like, kind of everywhere, right? Absolutely. It's in so many things, yeah. And it's hard to look back now with, like, looking through your medicine cabinet and you're you're like, what did I used to have in here? Mine has completely changed from what it used to be. You do a lot of really great homemade um, things for your medicine cabinet. Like, you guys make elderberry syrup. 
and uh, different tinctures. Yes, I do. I um, I try to keep it pretty stocked, and mm-hmm. uh, elderberry syrup is one of those things that I have on hand pretty much year-round. I make it. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's amazing stuff. And, and my family... It's so powerful. It, it is. It really is. Especially, you know, this time of year, it's a really great mm-hmm. time to be taking it just kind of preventatively. Um, right. And now good. some people listening probably don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about elderberry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about like what it is and kind of like how you make it. Okay. So it's this awesome elixir, if you will. It's a uh, mm-hmm. syrup that you make with elderberries. And I make mine with dried elderberries because that's okay. the easiest for me to get. I'm just ordering mm-hmm. them online. And it has all this great stuff in it, like ginger and cinnamon and cloves. And I usually add rose hips and astrologous root to mine, oh, too, nice. for extra immune support. So it's basically mm-hmm. a syrup that's an immune support for your body. And um, elderberries in particular have been proven to be great for the flu and mm-hmm. also colds. But um, flu in particular is kind of what elderberries are known for. It's just a great syrup that you can make really easily. You put all of the ingredients together with water and you simmer it, cook it for a little bit, and then you add raw honey to it um, for Mm -hmm. its properties too because raw honey is such a great natural remedy in a way. Um, That's Well, and it is easier to make it with the dried elderberries. So elderberries, you know, it's berries that grow on a plant. Yes. They can be dehydrated, and that way they're shelf-stable for a while. Right. And then you can take those and kind of rehydrate in the tonic that you're making yeah. um, and simmer them and get all the goodness out. And so then you strain that mm-hmm. and throw that with the raw honey, which, like you said, is amazing. So many benefits just in the raw honey. Right. But by not heating it, you're obviously keeping it raw. Exactly. Do you store it in the fridge? I do. I keep mine in the okay. fridge. I Ours normally doesn't last three months, but that's kind of the time frame that you can keep it in the fridge is about three months. So okay. we go through it pretty quick. Okay. Well, in the show notes for this episode, I'm going to put the link to your um, recipe so everybody can see that, and that way they'll learn how to make it. You've got a really nice tutorial in there where you actually have pictures along the way to kind of help guide people. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's really helpful, especially if this is the first time that you're making something like that. It's really helpful yeah. to have those pictures. <laughs> Because sometimes it can seem a little like, what am I doing? Yeah, exactly. So are there other things that you guys, like, always have on hand in your medicine cabinet? Yes. Um, I always have a raw organic apple cider vinegar on hand. Mm, Um, Nice. And I use that with raw honey and Mm -hmm. Celtic sea salt as kind of another little tonic anytime I'm feeling run down or the kids are starting to seem like maybe they're coming down with something. So that's mm-hmm. something I make often. So those three things, raw honey is always there and apple cider vinegar. Um, so you just mix those with a little bit of the unrefined sea salt, Celtic sea salt, whatever, yeah. um, and, and just mix it together and drink it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. It, it tastes good, too. So we do that. Almost like a little kombucha flavor. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love kombucha. <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with herbal tea infusions, so I make those oh, nice. a lot for my family. And mm-hmm. my my little ones actually drink them. They love it. And as long as I add a little bit of 
honey to it to sweeten it. Mm-hmm. They're good. But I like There's it. so many powerful things like that that we can, you know, easily make. And yeah. um, with the infusions, you know, it's not something that has, it's like making a tea. Right. So it's not something that, like, you have to think about weeks ahead of time like some of the tinctures it's like you got to mix them up and keep them in a dark space and go and shake them and and that's great but like uh uh-oh everybody's sick what are we going to do and they're so easy to make you could just keep the the herbs that work the best for you on hand and Mm -hmm. all you do is steep them a little bit longer than a regular tea and then strain Mm -hmm. it we love to keep nettle on hand and rose hips Usually red raspberry leaf and oat straw. Those are my mm-hmm. my go-tos. Um, and that's been especially good for you, I'm sure, as you've been, you know, pregnant and having little ones breastfeeding. Like, all of those are really supportive for those yeah. stages yeah. in life. I know I'm never anywhere without my thieves oil. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah, I was just putting some on this morning. I did the same thing. It's that time of year. My throat's a little bit scratchy. I'm like, nope, I'm going to head this off of the pass. I'm not going to go down that road. Got to have that on hand. It's so easy. And so, of course, what we're talking about is Thieves Essential Oil. Thieves is the actual blend. We use Young Living um, Essential Oils. There are a lot of other good, um, high-quality brands out there. Um, But this one has kind of been my go-to for many years. Um... And it's kind of based on the legend of four 15th century uh, thieves in France um, that would basically like sort of, I think, yes, it was during the plague, they would like go to these houses and loot or whatever, but they weren't catching the plague. And so when they were caught, it was like, okay, like in exchange for kind of your recipe or whatever you've been doing, um, (laughs) we'll go easy on you. So <laughs> that's how the legend goes. Like, who knows, right? But um, clove and uh, cinnamon and I think there's rosemary. Um, can't remember every, let's see, there's lemon, eucalyptus. eucalyptus. Yeah. yeah. And it smells amazing. So like, to me, good. I always think it smells like Christmas. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> so we're always diffusing that or, um, like, we'll mix it with a little coconut oil and apply it to the bottom of our feet or... Whatever. Yeah, that's what I did today. And it really makes a huge difference. It really does. Quickly. Yeah. It's, it's very immune supportive. It's great stuff. So I always keep fire cider on hand. And um, a lot of people are like, what is fire cider? But it's an amazing mix, kind of all, all the stuff that you would never put together. Um, you know, if you were just cooking, you'd be like, why would I put onions and horseradish and garlic and lemon and uh, honey, apple cider vinegar. I think there's cayenne in there. There's all kinds of things that you would never think would go together. Um, But it's like this amazing immune supportive tonic. Yes. And yes, it does have a strong taste, but you only take a couple tablespoons Um, and it's really easy to get down. I actually really kind of like it. Um, and it, it helps me a lot. It's great stuff, but it, I enjoy making it. Yeah, I've bought it um, already prepared, which was, like, really helpful. Um, but, yeah, and I've definitely seen recipes for that. I think there's ginger in it, too. There's all kinds of things. I think everybody kind of has their, their own, own version recipe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of like chicken soup. Like, everybody has a little <laughs> bit of their own spin. Yeah. <laughs> 
And speaking of chicken soup, we always keep bone broth on hand. Yes. Absolutely so powerful. That stuff is amazing. I was thinking uh, recently that my family's changing over to meat stock instead of the bone broth, just like while we're healing. Um, mm-hmm. The meat stock is a little bit more gentler on on our stomachs while we're healing before we switch over to bone broth again. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. It's just not cooked as long as, as long. bone broth. Yeah. yeah, and it typically has like more meat on the bone. Right, right. Um, when you make it, it's not just the bones, and um, so um, that can be really gentle, especially for. Um, for people that are kind of gut compromised or dealing with, you know, active issues. And I know right. you guys have kind of been through it um, with the health stuff. Like you had, was it mold that you were exposed to? Yeah, toxic mold. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So that's why we are working on rebuilding and healing our guts again. Now, how did you find out about this? Like, I mean, did you see it growing? See, that's the tricky thing with with mold is sometimes it is visible and other times it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and the most toxic ones often are not because exactly. they're like behind panels of houses yep. or whatever. Yep. It's just these little airborne mycotoxins and they get oh. into your body and can truly destroy your health. And so that's kind of how I figured it out. I was actually in denial about it a bit because mm-hmm. I've been through this two times in the past and with I, the toxic with mold. the toxic mold and oh um, in different rentals that I've lived in so I didn't want to believe that this is what was happening um, yeah not again right <laughs> how can this be happening again right yeah but uh, my youngest daughter just continued to have health issues since she was born and she lived in this house throughout my whole entire pregnancy and then um, mm-hmm. as, as she was born and just different things I was noticing, like she was born with eczema um, and her breathing over time started to become really bad at night to the point where my husband and I would just keep waking up to make sure she was breathing. Mm, um, that's so scary. So scary. And, you know, nothing was making sense. I was getting migraines that lasted for three weeks. My <laughs> oldest daughter was sick literally every single month. And so all of these things just, I kind of kept thinking, oh, it's nothing. And then um, my friend Jennifer from Hybrid Rasta Mama, who's actually mm-hmm. been through toxic mold too, said, Emily, you, you need to do a mold test. So um, I'm mm. grateful that she pushed me to do that. And that's how we discovered it. And so we, we did the sample ourselves because it okay, can be. Okay, tell me how that works because yeah. I don't know. I haven't done this. So what we did was a dust sample. Um, okay. And it's through a kit that I ordered um, that's specific for toxic mold. It's called an ERMI test. an an ERMI test Mm -hmm. and um, usually landlords will do that kind of stuff for you if you're renting um, but ours did not so okay I had to do it on our own so you get this little test kit basically and you attach it to your vacuum and you pretty much vacuum up whatever is in any area so like on the carpet um, then you get your results back from the company that analyzes them and it tells you if you have any 
strains of mold, and it tells you the different levels. So okay. there's a lower level, which isn't as dangerous to your health, and then there's a moderate level, and then there's the extreme level. So we happen to be in the higher the higher level. <laughs> and do they know what kind it is, or they just say, like, it's toxic mold no, and it's affecting your health? It, it breaks it down um, by every single strain. So, oh, okay. Yeah, basically all mold is toxic, if you will. Mm -hmm. But there are certain strains in particular that are more devastating to your health um, okay. with, with the mycotoxins that they produce. And those are what go airborne, and that's right. why if you're vacuuming your carpet, it's not that it's, like, coming in on your shoes. It's that it's in your environment, mm -hmm. and this is what yep. you're breathing Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Yeah. And if yeah. you have it in one room, it, you know, goes through your vents and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's just blowing around everywhere. And you can't oh see gosh. it. That's the scary right. thing. It's just, it's not visible. Crazy. <laughs> it and is so, crazy. You know, people that have these like really long lasting chronic challenges or they have this dramatic change in their health when nothing else has really, when nothing else has really changed. Right. Right. This might be something that you go, hmm, I wonder if that's a culprit. Yeah. It's, and like you said, you'd been through it before. Was that in the same geographical areas? Is something like, I know you're in California. Is that? Yeah. I think it's becoming more common everywhere now um, mm -hmm. because especially I've learned that buildings in the 80s and 90s were built pretty poorly. Certain homes are starting to exhibit these things now because of the cheaper materials that have been used to build homes, but also just homes that aren't taken care of well over time, mm -hmm. um, leaks that haven't been taken care of, flooding, all kinds of, any kind of moisture leaking. Um, Right. And a lot of times you don't know that there's been that right. little bit of leak or a little right. bit of something because you can't see it. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And so you did the test and you got these results. And then, like, what do you do? Yeah. So that's the hard part. Um, I think it's different for every family. Uh, but knowing what I've already been through and our health, I was pretty much advised to leave everything and move forward. So we literally lost everything that we owned except for um, a few glasses and our silverware. And we just left. <sighs> so we left everything behind and we're starting over fresh. Oh my gosh. I, I can't even, that's so scary. I can't even imagine because at that point, right, everything's been contaminated. Right. And because the, it's through your vents, it's in your air, it's yep. in the dust, like, the silverware, you can run it through a dishwasher and, right. like, get rid of that. And that's but the other thing than that, that anything that's porous can't mm -hmm. be cleaned because you can't actually get down and get the mycotoxins out of whatever it is. So, like, clothing and linens and yeah, furniture. Yeah, you can't just wash your clothes. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think that's been the common like, a misunderstanding is that many mm -hmm. people believe that bleach, in particular chlorine bleach, kills mold. And, in fact, it does not. And mm. um, it actually makes it worse and it not only like it's kind of resistant to it, maybe. Yeah, or? it it will whiten or make it look like the mold is going away, but it's actually releasing the toxins into the air and making them um, more easy to breathe. So it's actually yeah. pretty dangerous to use bleach for mold. So oh. yeah, there's really not much you can do for cleaning things. There are some things that can be salvageable and. Some people do hire mold re remediation companies mm -hmm. to do that kind of work. For us, it just wasn't 
just wasn't worth it to take the risk. And have you tried that before? Like I know you said you were exposed before. So did you try the remediation before or did you have to move then as well? Yes, two times before both different rentals that I lived. um, The landlords did hire remediation companies and I just didn't know enough then. So Mm -hmm. we actually moved with a lot of furniture uh, that should have been thrown away. Stacky Bokterister, I'm probably saying it wrong, that's one of the worst strains, and I had that in the first experience, um, mm. but it didn't show up in this last home. It wasn't necessarily present in our furniture that I know mm-hmm. of, um, but it, it just wasn't worth the risk, and I talked with Andrea, another blogger from It Takes Time, who's also mm-hmm. kind of dedicated her, her blog and um, other things to toxic mold and really yeah um, so she was affected too mm-hmm. her whole family oh my gracious I know it's crazy it's just really well, prevalent I have to be honest I think Kate over at modern alternative mama I think I heard something about she was She's, exposed it's crazy I really just it's just really seems to be happening to so many people you hear the stories every once in a while, but yeah. um, I didn't realize it was that prevalent. I mean, for us to kind of in the community know, on our online community, know four or five people. Well, I know Jennifer, you mentioned Jennifer from Hybrid Rastamama. They were they were just inundated. It was unreal. They were having crazy health challenges, yeah. and um, they had some really nasty strains. It was really, it uh. was really bad, and they owned their house, and they actually lost it. You know, it was just not salvageable. And again, for her, I think I remember the story she was saying, like, she didn't see the mold. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we have a mold problem. We haven't. We're just like ignoring. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. This is like hidden. And I think like her cat or something. (laughs) She was cuddling with the cat and she was like, why do you smell like mold? Yeah. And she thought the cat had gotten into something, but it, it had actually been like under... A furniture behind her couch, yeah. Behind her couch, yeah. Okay, and came out and jumped up. And she goes, "What is this?" And then they like, it was a huge nightmare of discovery at that point. So that's obviously, like you said, forcing you guys to kind of go back to square one. Mm -hmm. And so you've moved. You've gotten you know new things or building up to getting new things because obviously we know we can't get new things like overnight. I can't imagine how difficult that's been with a family. Yeah, our, our house is kind of interesting right now. We we have a dining room table and beds, and that's pretty much it for furniture. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. We're we're alive and we're happy and health. We're moving towards being all your probiotics right. and right. Yeah. get rid of leaky gut, those kind of things. Yeah, so we're doing a lot of gelatin and uh, collagen daily too, mm-hmm. besides just the the bone broth um, just trying to supplement what we can to start healing mm-hmm. that gut lining now what do you know about um purification uh, the essential oil blend purification i know that that can be really helpful in in mold situations is that something that can kind of help clear an area like if somebody suspects that they have a problem or is that also not really effective? Yeah, you know? I would. Um, yeah, we definitely diffuse both purification and thieves uh, mm-hmm. quite often. And I'd say definitely something you want to be doing is diffusing that, um, 
having any kind of air purifier, you know, until you're out of that situation. Those would definitely Mm -hmm. be supportive things. When we were at our farm in New Hampshire, we um, we had a basement, and it was actually kind of an above ground, like walkout basement. But um, so it didn't get wet a lot, um, and we never had any leaks, and I never detected any smells or anything. I'm very sensitive to yeah. that kind of thing, and um, but we did have a little bit one after a big big thaw. Um, we did have a little bit of moisture in there, and I went down with the diffuser, and I did a whole bottle of purification over several days because I was like, I'm not taking the chance. Yeah, people have really great success with that. It's just probably um, depending on what you're dealing with, and, you know, if it is, like, a small issue that you catch right away, like, oh, I see an active leak, I've dealt with it, you know, um, it should have dried out, but let me just do this sort of as a preventative. right. right. Yeah, and rather than, okay, we're overrun, it's in everything, like at that point, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are there certain um, recipes or things that you're making a lot in your kitchen these days that that are more gut supportive? I know that you're doing the bone broth and, and probably some fermented foods. Yeah, definitely fermented foods. We are having that with every single meal right now mm-hmm. I'm not making anything at the moment so I'm buying like fermented sauerkraut mm-hmm. and pickles and kombucha and you know extra gel- grass-fed gelatin and collagen daily and the meat stocks so those are pretty much our main thing those are so powerful and, and what's amazing is that that's something that you can do right now in your kitchen exactly you know like the powers in your hands mm-hmm. which is so important I don't actually make a lot of my my cultured veggies either especially now that we're traveling that's always been something I've been able to to source pretty well from other people that are doing it right that are you know organic and and the actual real live um, cultured fermented foods not you know like sauerkraut or pickles and vinegar but the Mm -hmm. real deal exactly Um, yeah because there are companies that are specializing in that and that's always you know with real food there's a lot of work that we do in the kitchen Um, and so I feel like that's one thing that I can easily outsource. Yes. Um, and I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive than making it on your own. So I've kind of found that you can save time or you can save money. Isn't that kind of always the way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's rare yeah. to save both. Yes. Um, I've just decided that that's one thing that really saves me a lot of time and that's worth a little bit of extra. Absolutely. It's worth it. Yeah. I love making my own kombucha, but, um, now that we're traveling, um, it's a little bit tougher because yeah. even though I have the kitchen space and all of that, I would be concerned about jostling the culture so much. Yeah. As we're driving down the road, I think they'd kind of be like, "What? what's going on? <laughs> and you've got different like temperatures and it would be a little bit tough. But yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing is, is that so many companies have gotten the message and these boutique little cultured and fermented foods businesses have started up. So water kefir, um, kombucha, um, dairy kefir, coconut kefir, yogurt, you know, all of your sauerkrauts and pickles and dilly carrots, all of those things are available at like Whole Foods and natural food stores. Yeah, it's so much easier to find them now. Yeah, I know in the beginning there was like one brand of real sauerkraut and we didn't like it that much. It's just exploded really. And there's some you can even order online. So as we're moving into fall, like what are your favorite things to be making? I know that you have like some really delicious like chai and Thai teas and things like that. 
loving chai that's one of my favorite things to make it's so yummy anything that's incorporating pumpkin right now um we haven't actually started that yet because it's still kind of like summer in northern california where i live but it is crazy how warm it is this year i'm actually in <laughs> so la right warm. now and it's like so warm yeah, it, it definitely yeah we're having pretty much the same weather what else have we been making? A lot of Jello. My kids love. Oh, love fun! That. So homemade versions of Jellos and gummies. Yeah, I'm trying to. I thought that else. you had a recipe for chocolate gummies, and that's yeah. something like, yeah, I'm, I never thought about making. They're so good. My kids love them. My oldest daughter, you know, I'm definitely the real foodie mom, but <laughs> I don't, I don't consider her a picky eater, but she definitely doesn't eat the same way as the rest of the family does. So I'm always mm-hmm. trying to come up with sneaky food or ways to sneak things into her body too. And that's one of the things I came up with is the chocolate gummy. So she'd get some good gelatin because she doesn't care for any of the other ones. And she won't drink bone broth or anything. So yeah. My other little one, no problem. She loves it, but um, to be a little more... A little more creative. A little more creative, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's fun because it's such a nice texture and, you know, it feels like such a, a treat. Yeah. You know, and and it is a treat. It's a I mean, because it's good, healthy food. So I'm going to put the link to that on our yeah, show notes because that's so different, you know. Um, I wouldn't have ever thought about putting chocolate in there. So yeah. that's a great idea. Um, I like to make mine with... Um, you know, a mixture of different juices. Um, And I can kind of do it with whatever I have on hand. But I love that kind of, you know, creamy or chocolate. It's definitely something different. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep the kids interested. Exactly. Your kids pretty much always taken to these kind of foods because that's what they've grown up with. Yeah, not my oldest. My youngest has pretty much been raised uh, once she started eating solids on a real food traditional type diet. So she loves, you know, kraut and she'll she'll drink the juice and kombucha and all those things she loves. Mm-hmm. But my oldest daughter, it's been a little harder. Like I shared, that she was a vegetarian and a vegan for, from the mm-hmm. beginning. So I think that that also did something with her body and also her palate. So it's been a little bit more of a struggle to introduce new food mm-hmm. with her. But I just have to be more creative with her, I mm-hmm. guess. So, but she does love for the most part she loves most of the stuff that I make that always most makes it a little it. easier doesn't it <laughs> yeah that's great I love that idea of like putting together even if you know kids for young children that aren't going off to school or if you homeschool or whatever it's still a really nice thing to have like that bento box style where you've got like these different little snacks yeah. so they get a variety of different foods throughout the day yeah. I think it's great how more people are introducing a whole variety of flavors to kids these days. I think it's not necessarily the main standard American diet that most people are eating, but a lot more people are starting to add in more flavors for kids. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of broadening their palate, which I think is great. Early on, yeah, early yeah. on way to do it. Well, and a lot of times kids kind of go in in a, in a circle. So, yep. you know, if you start them out young with this kind of wide range of flavors, as they get to maybe three, four, whatever, they start sort of, you know, limiting. And they would have before eaten, you know, everything. I hear a lot of my clients say, oh, well, he used to drink bone broth and, and eat liver and it was no big deal. And, you know, or would do avocados and egg yolks and all this. And then all of a sudden it's like... Nope. Yep, that's, yep. <laughs> Not having any yes. of that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And mom goes, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. What's changed? 
And then they kind of like circle back to that and then circle away and then circle back. And But I do find that when kids are exposed to such a wide range of flavors and textures and things when they're young, they usually will be more open mm-hmm. to different things later, even if they have some times of... I'm going to be difficult for a little bit and limit my palate because we talk a lot about on our Facebook page, we talk a lot about, um, you know, positive parenting and things like that and, and how children, a lot of times the, the things that they have control over are food and bathroom habits. Like they don't have a lot of other choices, Mm -hmm. right? When they make some different food choices, sometimes that's them just exerting their independence. Absolutely. Like I'm making this decision and, and you can't make me put it in my mouth. We just kind of like ride out the storm and keep making the good food and hanging in there and not making it a big deal. It'll usually circle back around. It's the best way to do it. Right. Just kind of take that. Okay. This is what our family's having and not make seven different meals for all the different people. And can't be a short (laughs) order cook and they're not going to starve if they don't eat that one meal. And obviously there's situations that need intervention and, and we're not suggesting that every child is the same, but a lot of that display of behavior where it suddenly changes there, a lot of times it's just more about independence than it is about food. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I'm really, you know, like I said, we've been connected online for a long time and I've kind of watched you with in your journey and of course with your beautiful girls. But, you know, I knew that this mold had been an issue, but I think it's really important to share that because so many people, it sounds like, could be affected, that this could be playing into their, their symptoms yeah, and that it's worth getting this test. It definitely is, just even if it's for peace of mind. So that's something that we can order online, the test? It is. And is it crazy expensive? Um, it's less expensive than hiring a professional hiring a professional okay. gets it can get pretty steep it just just depends and and I did get that through the it takes time uh, website okay so I'll put a link but I know that okay. professionals can get kind of pricey well that's good to know yeah because that's something that people can do if they really suspect that this may be an issue for them yeah. if it takes time she probably has some information on there about oh, yeah. different symptoms yes, or she does okay yeah. good well, I'll put all that on our show notes so that people can try to investigate and see if that might be going on for them because it is really interesting how many cases I've heard about recently. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you guys found out about it. And even though this has been a major hardship for you and a huge change in your life, like I'm just so glad that you were aware enough of the symptoms to go, what's going yeah, on? Because thank imagine you. if you were still in the house, I know. right? I know. Yeah. I'm just glad to be out of it for sure. Well, thanks again so much for being here today. Thank I so you. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.